So in this series, we're making five commitments. Go ahead and put that up on the screen if you would. Nate, you can have kill the background. So first, we're going to seek God. We said week one that we're going to seek God with our spouse from this day forward. And if we're not married, we're going to seek God as our one while God prepares us for our two and prepares our two for, uh, for us as well. Prepares us for them. There you go. Second week, we talked about... Um, fight fair. We said, we're not going to fight for victory. We're going to fight for resolution. There is an enemy that wants to destroy our marriages. We're going to fight the right way. And we're going to honor God. Even when we fight now, last week, we talked about have fun. How many of you had some fun? You don't have to tell me which kind there was side to side, face to face and belly button to belly button. Don't tell me which one. How many of you had some fun in your relationship this week? Somebody make some noise. Oh my goodness. Lord, forgive us for being a dead church. We need to have fun in our marriages, right? Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you. Today we're going to talk about staying pure, and in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about never, never, never give up. Because with God, all things are possible. Now, whether you're married or not, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I need you to, to answer today. How many of you, married or not, you have a goal to commit adultery when you get married? Or if you are married, no one? No one. Hmm. How many of you plan on, you have a plan to get addicted to porn when you get married? Hmm. Okay, let's let's lower the bar. How many of you plan just to have an emotional affair? And by that, I mean, you're not going to go all the way, but you're going to give your heart to someone who's not your spouse. Let me see your hands. No one. Yet if statistics are correct, even in churches, at least 50% of you are going to do one of those three things during your married life. We don't plan to do them, but we don't plan not to, and that's today's sermon. We're going to plan how to stay pure, how to protect our marriages. Hebrews 13.4 is probably the clearest verse in all the Bible about protecting marriage, and here's what it says. Marriage should be honored by how many? Tell me. Let's try it again. Marriage should be honored by whom? All. Married unmarried, young, old, rich, poor, male, female. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter anything about you. God says marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept, what's that word? Say it again. What's that word? Pure. Why? Because here it is. Promise from scripture, promise from God himself, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. This is a very powerful verse, and what you need to get out of it is this. Purity matters to God, and if purity matters to God, it sure as well better matter to us. How many of you believe that adultery is always wrong? Adultery is, is, is sex between two people who are not married together, married to each other. All right, everybody agrees to that. Um, this isn't a trick question. Let me ask it again. How many of you believe that, that adultery is always wrong? Okay. 90% of Americans say adultery is always wrong. And this is interesting because this has actually gone, the percentage has gone up in the, in the last few years of people who believe it's always wrong. But what's always also interesting to me is that studies have shown that adultery has doubled. All right. 90% of people say it's wrong all the time, but there's more than from, from 1998 to 2008, the university of, um, I think it was California did a study where The numbers of people who committed adultery had doubled, and I'm willing to bet, I haven't seen it from 2018, from 2008 to 2018, I'm willing to bet the numbers have doubled again. Why? 
Why do we do that? that? Why is impurity increasing in marriage? Well, I'm going to give you just a few simple answers today. There's an enemy who wants to destroy you spiritually and, and destroy your families. But here's some reasons that I came up with that, that, that impurity is increasing. Number one, there are more temptations today than in the past. Would you agree with that? Uh, Facebook is, is, is a relatively new temptation. It, it started in 2004. And whether you agree with me or not, Facebook itself is not evil. It's what you do with it. And a lot of people do some evil things with Facebook. And so an old flame will see somebody from the past and they go, ooh, they look good. And, and, and they do stupid stuff. Today there's entire websites. In fact, these have been around for years. Dedicated to helping you have an affair and cover your tracks. It blows my mind. You can even go to Craigslist. Craigslist, you can get a screwdriver, you can get a spare tire, and you can get a prostitute on Craigslist. You don't even have to work at it. And maybe, maybe the biggest game changer of all are these little things. We call them smartphones, right? They're only as smart as the user. And I think we do some really dumb things. Back in the day, back in my day, if you wanted to see some porn, you had to have a friend. In my case, there was none in my house, but you had to have a friend whose, whose dad or whose older brother had a porn stash somewhere and they found it and then you'd come over. That's how I was introduced to porn. I went to a friend's house. His, I won't talk about all that, but they were very prominent in the church and I walked in at 12 years old and my friend said, hey, check this out. And I opened it up and I remember, I'm not making this up. I remember going, what's the big deal? Is a naked woman and I handed it back to him. Years later, I discovered what the big deal was, and there's this incredible poisonous hook that will get into your mind. A 13-year-old today can see any image they want in seconds, images that you would never want to poison their minds with. This is, this is a bad thing. It's used in a bad way. It's, it's available 24-7. So the impurity has increased in marriage because the, the, the enemy has increased his attacks on us. Second reason, people marry later. Not a thing wrong with marrying later. In fact, the most stable age to get married is 28 because you know who you are and you know what you're looking for. The, the, the greatest number of divorces happen in those who get married under 21. Again, it's because you don't know who you are yet, so you can't know who you're going to commit your life to at 21. The highest rate of divorce is there. So when people marry later, what they typically do is have more dating partners, which in our society, what does that mean? They also have more sexual partners. And so the more sexual partners they have, it means they bring more and more sexual baggage into marriage. Too many people, too many unmarried people are doing married things before they get married. They're doing a test drive. What's the problem with a test drive? If you don't like the vehicle, what do you do? You give it back. That's what people are doing in our society. They're test driving. Oh, baby, I love you. I love you so much. You're my only one. Actually, you're my 17th one, but you're my only one today. And I'm going to commit to you today because I have some needs that need to be met. And, and what happens? They stay later and later and they, they go into bedrooms together and, and then then they say, we couldn't help ourselves. You know what Chuck Washburn, I'm going to quote Chuck Washburn, my father. This was some of the best advice he ever gave me. He said, son, keep your pants zipped and you'll never get in trouble. He was right. <laughs> Glory to God. It is that simple. Couldn't help ourselves. Give me a break. 
Let's move in together. Let's do all kinds of married things before we're married. And then if we don't like it, one of us doesn't like it, we're going we're gonna to trade them in. You're pretending to be married when you're really not. And that's why it's so, so painful when you break up. You're doing married things. It's like a divorce. Now, I have some duct tape here. And, and duct tape is great stuff the first time you use it. What happens if you try to reuse duct tape? It's not going to stick. So if I were to say this is what God did. In marriage, God designed sex to bond you with one other human. What happens if I take the bonding material and, and let's just assume this is one sexual partner and this is another sexual partner and then I have 17 sexual partners. How much bonding is left on the duct tape? Zero. And so there's nothing even special about the physical relationship anymore. You come together and it doesn't bond you together like God intended because you've wasted all of the bonding material. All right, Matt and Rachel, come here. I told Rachel right before she got off stage that I was calling her and Matt on stage. I didn't tell Matt. You don't have to say anything. All right, here's yours. Rachel, come over here. Here's yours. I chose these two because they did it right. Because they waited until they were married to have sex. So I want you to stick these two things together. All right, let me hold it for just a second. All right, completely stuck together. Now, I want you, while I'm talking, I want you to try to pull those apart. How, how successful do you think they're going to be? It is just about impossible. And even if they get it apart, what's going to happen to the duct tape? It's going to rip like Matt just ripped it. Because when you do sex the way God intended in marriage, it bonds you for a lifetime all right, y'all can go sit down. <laughs> Rachel said, I can't do it, I can't do it. Exactly my point. When you do it right, God bonds you together with your one, with your number two, God's your one, with your two in such a way that it rips you apart, it rips your heart apart, it rips your family apart, and this is how God intended it. And when we don't do it God's way, we have zero bonding through the intimacy of marriage. Sex was God's idea. Marriage was God's idea. I'm going to say this. I'm actually doing two weddings this week. I'm doing Caleb and Hannah's on Friday night and then another couple. I'm, by the grace of God, this is just how God works. They said, hey, we don't have anybody to do our wedding. I said, well, when is it? They said, November 14th. And I said, where is it? And they said, in Fredericksburg. I said, well, here's something you need to know. I'm going to be 60 miles from Fredericksburg doing Caleb's wedding on Friday night. They said, would you please do our wedding? I said, of course I will. And in both of those, I'm going to talk about how God brings us together. There's one thing in the Garden of Eden that was not good. That was that man was alone. God created woman to correspond to his needs. And when we do purity God's way, he bonds us together for life. See, what, what happens, though, is, is we do the other thing where, where we, we just we bond because our, 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 our world says two or three, four dates. I don't even know what it is. And then, then you just give yourself to them and the bonding is gone. And we're practicing, what we're actually doing is we're practicing in our relationships divorce. We're practicing unfaithfulness. Do you know the number one reason why dating couples break up today? It's because one or both of them has been unfaithful to the other. You're practicing for divorce before you ever get married. 
So if you are, well, actually it doesn't matter whether you're single or not. I put in here, if you're single, write this down. But if you're married, write this down. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. You don't get the blessing of God by violating the principles of God. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage today or tomorrow is to live a pure life today. Now, some of you are going, oh no, I've messed up. What do I do? Well, here's the cool thing. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God that I believe restores spiritual virginity. And all you have to do is come to him and you confess your sins. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Spiritually, you can be white as snow. Though our sins are like scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they can be like white wool. You can be restored spiritually. And if you've given up, if you've, if you've given yourself physically to someone else, for the love of God, get spiritually Become a spiritual virgin before you get married, before you say, I do. Because look what this says. This is where we get our, the name of our church. This is our theme verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. The enemy says, oh, you're, you're, you're riddled with shame. You're not good enough. But God says, no, 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 I've wiped it new. And then look at the next part. The old life is gone and what kind of life has begun? A new life has begun. There is no shame in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. So if you feel shame today, that's the enemy of God. If you feel condemned today, that's the enemy of God. The, the, the spirit of God is declaring to you, I love you, I will cleanse you, but you've got to invite me into your heart and I'll restore a spiritual virginity. Third reason there's, there's so much impurity in our marriages is this sense of entitlement. If I want it, I'm going to get it. If I'm not getting it in my marriage, I'm going to get it somewhere else. If she's not meeting my needs, I'm going to look at something else that meets my needs, or I'm going to go find another model. I'm going to trade her in. I'm going to bow down to the false God of happiness because I deserve to be happy. Doesn't God want me happy? Please, please, someone show me where it says in the Bible that God wants you to be happy. The Bible doesn't talk about your happiness. It talks about your holiness. God is much more. That's the next slide. Bible talks very little about your happiness. Talks a whole lot about your holiness. And here's where I get that from. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But now you must be, what's that word? Come on now, this is not a, this is not a bad word. This is a good word. The Bible says this. Now you must be what? Holy, Holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is what? Holy. For the scriptures say you must be what? Holy. Because I, this is God speaking, because I am what? There are four holies in there, two for you, two for God. And the reason we're supposed to be pure is because God loves purity. Purity matters to God. And he says the, the, the marriage bed should be kept pure. So we're going to talk about two types of purity today. We're going to talk about outward purity. We're going to talk about inward purity. And here's the first outward is Ephesians 5, 3. But among you, he's talking about Christ followers. If you're not a Christ follower today, this does not apply to you. But he's talking to Christ followers. There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's what kind of people? Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Because here's the problem. Impurity is poison. It's poison. So I have here, where is it? There it is. I have here a bottle of water. Let's say that you go to lunch today. And I have some poison. It's not really poison, but play with me here. 
how much of this do you want in your water? Oops, I didn't take the thing off. How much poison do you want in your water that you're going to drink or whatever you're going to have for lunch today? Help, help me out. It's just a little. Maybe it'll settle to the bottom if you just sip off the top. Maybe it won't infect you. Nobody? We're not talking a speck of dirt in your water. We're talking cyanide in your water. Anyone? No. We're not talking that my mashed potatoes got on my chicken leg, so I can't eat my chicken leg because I'm so OCD, my food can't touch. We're talking about chicken leg mixed with E. coli, manure. Throw in a dash of COVID-19. How many of you want to chew on that? So why would you allow poison in your marriage by being impure? Well, it's just a little bit. A little bit's not going to hurt it. A little bit's going to kill your marriage. So let's play a game today. Not even a hint, so let's play a game. I'm going to give you a a, a scenario, and if there's a hint of sexual immorality in this scenario, all you have to do is say yes. Let's practice this. You say yes. Say it. All right, here we go. Um, Let's see. If you're married and you have sex with someone who is not your spouse, is there a hint of sexual immorality? If you flirt with your, your secretary who is not your spouse, is there a hint of sexual immorality? If you look at pornography while you're at work or while you're at home, if you look at pornography anywhere, is there a hint of sexual immorality? Yes. If you lust after Angelina Jolie, and I know she's older, I don't know, maybe there's somebody else now, or ladies, if you lust after Brad Pitt, is there a hint of sexual immorality? Y'all got real quiet on that one. I'm going to say that again. Some of you just squirted some poison in your relationships. Guys, if you lust after Angelina Jolie or ladies, if you lust after Brad Pitt, and I know they're getting older, pick a younger version. Is there a hint of sexual immorality? Thank you for playing. If you dress provocatively, that means check out what I have. Or it could be, God didn't give me much, so I got some new ones. Everybody look. I'm not trying to cast stones at you. If you want to pump them up, pump them up, but keep it between you and your husband. I don't want to see that stuff. By the way, I've always wondered, if you finance those things and you don't pay for them, do they repossess them? I just, inquiring minds want to know. I don't want to see that. Whether you got a lot of stuff or you don't have a lot of stuff, if you dress so that others look at your stuff, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Yes, Yes, there is. If you go somewhere and you dance with someone who is not your spouse and you do a little dirty dancing, is there a hint of sexual immorality? If you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, is there a hint of immorality? Got really quiet there. Oh, but it's just mommy porn. It's okay. How much poison do you want in your relationship? It will never spice up your relationship. In God's economy, there's not 50 shades of anything. There's black and there's white and has nothing to do with your skin color. It's all about the color of your heart, the color of your soul. And the more crap you put into your life, 
the more poison you have for your relationship. And it's why some people come to me right before they get a divorce. They said, we've tried everything else. Maybe you can help. And I'm like, oh, dear God, you should have come long before now. Scripture is very clear about this purity thing. In Proverbs 5, 5.8, it says this, keep to a path far from her, who? The immoral woman or the immoral dude. Do not go near the door of her house. It's not like, how, much, how close can I get to the poison? How stupid is that? Let me go just hang out near her door. Let me go just watch her walk across the parking lot. How close do you want to get to the poison? How close do you want to get to the, to the snake before it bites you? The Bible says, keep a path far from her. Do not go near her door. Or look at this one, 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Run, Forrest, run! You know why? I, I, I've never heard of someone committing adultery or even having sex while they're running a marathon. Run! She comes near, run! You see it? Throw that phone and run! Keep far away from it. Flee from sexual immorality. And here, you need to understand this. Every other sin a man or woman commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And don't you believe, don't you believe that God doesn't know what he's talking about? If you're not a Christian, you may be thinking this is stupid, and you can think that, and you can say, if you're not a Christ follower, you can say, it's my body, I can do what I want to with it. But if you're a Christian, you can never say that. Don't you dare say you're going to follow God and then say, it's my body, I can do what I want, because here's what the scripture says. The next two verses, 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a, is a temple of the what kind of spirit? The Holy Spirit who is God, who is in you whom you have received from God. And then look at this. You are not your own. It is not your body if you're a Christ follower. It is not your body. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. How do you do that? By being holy. Keep a path far from it. Flee from it. Don't get close to poison. And, and I don't know what this looks like for you, but in my life, you know, there's some rules that I have. There's some boundaries that I put up. And you may think they're too far. I don't give a rip what you think because you're not my God. I want to please my heavenly father. And so I don't want to do anything that disappoints my father. I don't want to do anything that could ruin my relationship with Janie. So no offense, it doesn't matter to me what you think of my rules. But my rules are I'm not going to hang out with somebody of the opposite sex that I'm not married to or related to. And I'm going to tell you there was one exception to this. And, and it was actually Rebecca came up here. We were going to talk about her mama's funeral and, and her uncle. Was it your uncle? Somebody else was supposed to be here and they didn't, they didn't come up here. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And, and we have cameras. And I said, let's go sit in front of the camera and we'll talk about your mama's funeral. And the reason I did that is not because I thought there was any, anything between me and Rebecca. I love God. I love my wife and I love George Stanley. And I don't want to do anything that would dishonor God, my wife or George Stanley. You too, Rebecca, but... You know what I'm saying? George is my brother. And so there were cameras and I'm like, we got it on film. But I was very uncomfortable, not because there's any chemistry, but because I have these boundaries and it makes me really uncomfortable when I'm with someone of the opposite sex. It just makes me uncomfortable. 
because I don't want there to even be a hint. I don't want people to be able to drive by out here and say, Doug's car was up there, but that wasn't Janie or Rachel's car or Caleb's car. I'm not ever going to have a counseling appointment with someone of the opposite sex that either my wife isn't there or their spouse isn't there. Why? Because I think I'm something. I'm a 56-year-old fat man. I play with Waylon and I start breathing hard. I'm like, dad gum. There was a day I had hair and, and I had a decent abdomen, but it's not there anymore. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but some, I know some couples, they don't have separate Facebook accounts. They have one. They share all of their passwords. Janie knows my password to my phone. We're not going to watch certain types of movies. Because I don't want my kids, my adult children, I certainly don't want my three-year-old grandson to walk in and see me watching some idiot movie and say, Pop, Pop, what's that? Mm -mm. That stuff never spices up your marriage. It always poisons your, always, always, always. Don't you dare. I've heard too many people, too many women talk about their husbands are, are into pornography and they want that to spice up their marriage. Oh, no, no, no. It doesn't spice it up. It poisons it. And, and you might as well take the blackest stuff and just squirt it in there. That's what, that's what pornography does to your marriage. And I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm not making this up. I've never been in a Hooters. I don't care how good their wings are. There was a pastor in a, in a city where I was years ago that used to take his staff to Hooters for staff meetings, and he said it was because the wings are so good. You're a dadgum idiot. And he got fired, and he should have gotten fired. And by the grace of God, unless he has really repented, he should never lead another church. Because if you're going to Hooters for the wangs, is there a hint of immorality, sexual immorality? Ah, yes. oh, yeah, there is. Now, I, I told you all this because we want to be sure we protect our outward behavior, but well, let's talk about the inward purity. Because if you, try, if you simply try to have rules and regulations, you're going to fail. You're fighting a spiritual battle with rules, and it is not going to work. So it's okay to have boundaries, but we've got to look at the heart. Psalm 119, 9 through 11, David is writing this and he asks the question of God and then he answers his own question. He says, how can a young man, and he's talking about himself, but this is a young woman. How can a young man, young woman, keep his or her way pure? And then he answers it by living according to your word. I seek you with all my what? Uh, here's the key issue. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my what? my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to find you in your word. I'm transformed in Ephesians. I'm going to read this passage twice this week in the, in the marriage ceremonies that I do. It says that we are washed. We are washed through the, it's the washing of the water of God's word. And it actually talks about Christ washing the church and presenting her to himself in dazzling white silk. Well, that just sounds like a wedding, right? And this is how we're supposed to treat our wives, men. We're supposed to lead them. We're supposed to wash them with the water of the word so that not just on our wedding day, every day we're washing them with the water of the word so that they might present themselves to us in radiant white silk, glowing in the holiness of God. Is, that's what, is that what is happening in our churches? I'm asking you a yes or no question. Is that typical in the churches? No. Too many people put, put the line of sin 
in the wrong place. And if you'll begin to wash your mind with the water of the word, what used to attract you will begin to repulse you. And if you'll train your eyes only for the woman that you said, I want you to be the only one, she'll continue to make your heart beat faster year after year after year. But you have to starve your eyes from a little bit of sexual immorality. Too many people say, from this day forward, from this day forward, I'm going to put the line in the sand. I am not going to commit adultery from this day forward. Well, good for you. Do you know that by the time somebody's committed adultery, they've crossed all kinds of other lines so that they just say, oh, well, I deserve it. And they just jump in. We got to put the line further back. It's got to be in a different place. Something is. Oh, okay. I was afraid it was electrical over there, but it's not. Okay. One little sin at a time, you got to put the line farther back. Listen to the words of Jesus. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her where? In his heart. Protect your heart. So we're not going to focus just on outward behavior. We're going to focus on our heart. I've hidden his word, his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. And here's the thing. If I do not sin against God, guess who else I do not sin against? My wife. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word, I have hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. When you fall into sin, any, in, into any kind of sexual temptation or sexual immorality, there's one of three responses that you have. I'm going to put all three of these up there and, and we're just going to leave them there. Defensiveness, remorse, or repentance defensiveness. If you're feeling defensive day, well, I'm a guy. I actually had a friend years ago say in the presence of his wife, well, I'm not going to quit looking. And I said, oh dear God, I feel bad for his wife. Cause he said, that's just the way God made me. It's God's fault. You have sexual immorality in your life. Come on. It's not my fault if she would meet my needs. So it's her fault that you're, you're putting poison in your relationship. It's her fault. We're just friends. It's none of his business. She shouldn't have been checking around on my computer. It's her fault that she found you doing something sexually immoral. If you're defensive today, you have a rebellious spirit towards God. And in 1 Samuel 15, 23, Samuel the prophet says to Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And what that does is it opens up the door of your heart for the demonic forces to invade and build a fortress. If you're defensive today, get over yourself. You're not above reproof. Drop your guard, let the spirit of God speak to you. Because if you're defensive today, almost every time I've found a defensive person, they're hiding sin. It's the reason they're defensive. Get over your defensiveness or get used to demons in your heart. Remorse, we're not looking for remorse either because remorse is, oh, I'm a horrible person uh, and you stay in your past or I just wish I hadn't got caught. That's not what God's looking for. What God's looking for is repentance because only the repentant heart will say, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what God's after. Only the repentant pray, God, please forgive me. I I admit my sin and I renounce it. And and renouncing, God just showed me this about a year ago. 
Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. You hide, God says, be very sure your sins are going to find you out. He says, but the one who confesses, and what's that second word? And renounces. It's not enough to confess. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I lust. But they don't, conf- they don't renounce lust. Oh, well, I'm this. Well, yay for you. You need to renounce that. Because if you're going to find mercy, you got to renounce it. And let me say this to you. If your spouse really repents, which means they confess sin and they renounce sin, how did your heavenly father respond to them when they confessed and renounced? What does God give them? Mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And if your spouse really does that, they're going to prove it. If they really, they're going to prove it. Then God wants you to give them mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Now, I think probably somebody's under conviction today, whether it's online or whether it's here in the room. And, and if you're not willing to confess that to God and to someone you trust, I have a question for you today. Is it worth it? Is the guilt, is the condemnation, is the shame worth it? You don't have to live there. You can become a spiritual virgin. But you have to confess your sin. You have to renounce your sin. You have to draw near to the cross of Christ. God is faithful. He's just. He'll forgive us our sins if we confess and renounce. So in this series, we we said we want to fail-proof our marriages. And if you'll make these five commitments, you will be together from this day forward till death do you part. We're going to seek God with all of our heart with our spouse If we're not married, we're going to seek God as our number one while we wait on the number two person he brings into our lives. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. Christians are known for not having fun. Janie and I have so much fun together. I love my family. I love Waylon. I love sending Waylon home. (laughs) That's awesome. I could hang out with Janie 24-7 and we would, we would love our time together. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure. And I told my wife before God, before my brothers, both my brothers, my one brother did the wedding, the other was one of my groomsmen. Before Janie's mom, her dad had already passed away. Before my mom and dad, I promised to God, I said, I'll be true to you and I'll be true to her from this day forward till death parts us. Not going to give up. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd sweep over this place and over anybody who's watching online. You'd convict us of sin. That's what your Holy Spirit does, reminds us of all the things you've taught us. Your, your, Your Spirit will even tell us things that are in the future that there's no way we could know. But you won't do any of those things as long as we're rebellious, as long as we're living in rebellion, shaking our fist at you, demanding that everybody meet our own needs. God, break down those walls and fill us with your spirit. I pray that people would turn to you today and that we'd feel your forgiveness and your grace and your strength and your power to understand purity and to understand that since it matters to you, it better matter to us. To you be all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.